Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. With me tonight is Wayne Barrowalt. Wayne is the guest curator for Nuit Blanche Saskatoon this upcoming October 1st, and Nuit Blanche has an artist and enthusiast night that will be taking place next Thursday, March 10th, from 7 to 9 in AKA's event space. And Wayne has joined me on the show to talk about that and Nuit Blanche's call for submission. So thanks for joining me, Wayne. Yeah, thank you, Michael, for inviting me. This is great. So you've had a bit of a history with Nuit Blanche going back to yeah. Calgary and mm-hmm. now been building this event here. So maybe we could just start talking a bit more broadly about the event and how it's being organized this year. Sure. I guess I kind of go all the way back to maybe, um, what year is it? 2016. I go back to maybe 2010, 2011, when Karen Ball in Calgary, uh, who was working for the city at that time, and Calgary 2012, the organization, said, wouldn't it be great if we had Nuit Blanche here? Why don't we call Wayne? And I said, <laughs> oh, God, that doesn't sound right. Why would I be the... You know the guy to call for a Nuit Blanche, but uh, of course, like many of us, we'd, we'd heard about Nuit Blanche in, in France, uh, Paris in particular, and we heard about the one in Toronto, and uh, and uh, that one's been going on for a good ten years now already. So we we know the concept, and and I thought, yeah, okay, well let's try to do something that's context driven in Calgary, and there were a group of us talking about what kind of Nuit Blanche that should be, and they were very much against the Toronto Nuit Blanche, which is very much a drunken, rowdy spectacle in a lot of ways, and uh, just has to, has, leaves a different impression with many of us in the art world. So uh, we wanted to do something in Calgary that was more anti-spectacle and maybe more difficult uh, to comprehend as a Nuit Blanche project, something that would allow critique to be brought to the forefront so that we would maybe think again about Nuit Blanche, you know, as a trademarked, you know, event around the world and the kind of thing that we might do in Calgary. And again, context-driven Nuit Blanche in Calgary. And uh, I'm kind of hoping that everyone here that I've been talking to and that are board members with Nuit Blanche might think too that there's, you know, a time now to rethink Nuit Blanche based on the context of Saskatoon. And what does that mean? That's the big question mark. Location specific and specific to our place here and building from there? Yeah, you could say that and how you read the landscape. You know, the uh, political landscape, the cultural landscape to begin with. How how you read these, you know, a city is, it's, it's not easy to do and it's kind of confusing. And what is the local context? And I think that's why this idea of getting together with uh, all kinds of people in the community at this point really makes sense and sort of thinking about, okay, how does context af- affect one person over another or one group over another? So uh, this might lead into your next Well, sure, but <laughs> you're, you're talking about, we'll just talk briefly about the fact that you're talking with community members, so the planning is going forward full speed. And yeah, the planning's going forward. Um, I have ideas about a theme you know, that it should be around food. I think it's something that brings a lot of us together, whether that's food or tea, so food or beverages, but certainly tea and food, generally speaking, bring people together. And I think that's maybe one thing that's needed in Saskatoon, among many other 
cities. And something that uh, a lot of artists have dealt with for centuries is food and, and dealt with food in very creative ways. So I think we want to bring performance art to the table. We want to bring food to the table. We want to bring the process of making food and the process of presenting food to the table. And, and hopefully we can certainly serve up a framework for a Nuit Blanche and then have a lot of uh, local involvement to sort of drive the context for a theme, you know? And maybe people, you know, hate being, you know, met with a theme, you know, for a Nuit Blanche. But I, I, again, I think we just, I'm interested in trying something a little bit different and hopefully finding a, a common theme that uh, allows ideas to be filtered through one performance or another that you see at Nuit Blanche, you know, from the most abstract creative orientation towards food and tea <laughs> to the most literal, the actual making of a dish. So anyway, I, I think, I, I just think it's maybe it's one of those themes that's open enough to include everyone. And you were talking then about it being everything from the literal to the abstract. And so it might be interesting to talk a bit about one performance in particular, which is Emily Promise Allison's, which mm-hmm. will be taking place as part of the Artist and Enthusiast Night. So I'm wondering if you can speak a bit to that and project. And that would be March 10th at 7 p.m. and the second floor at AKA yes. on 20th. So that's going to be pretty exciting. Emily is, I hate to say, emerging uh, performance artist. Uh, she just graduated from the Alberta College of Art and Design in 2014, and she, you know, had great experience before that at Red Deer College in the theater department. So she brings a theatrical bent to performance art, which is, of course, very much reflective of the theater, I guess, or or, or notions uh, about what theater can be versus a different sometimes a different timeline that the visual artist will bring to theater. So she, she brings a very evocative, uh, sensuous type of performance with her. And she's going to be doing something a little bit unusual, quite abstract. Well, not quite abstract. I shouldn't say that. Medium abstract. But with all sorts of relationships to food or the idea of food or the idea of eating food or the idea of presenting food, uh, food period. I'm trying to keep it as abstract as possible and not even talk about her materials. But I think it's even beyond materials. I think it's the kind of presence that she brings to a uh, performance. This is the one on March 10th. She'll be back with us on October 1st. But I think she brings something that is maybe less about technology, less about the materials that are sometimes used to brace up and frame a performance artist's work. It's very much back to this idea, again, much vaunted notion of the presence of the artist. The artist is present, you know, as we've been hearing for the last few years from that other performance artist <laughs> in the U.S. Right. But, but that idea of presence of an artist, that's what Emily brings. And I think that's not so common. That's hard to actually culture. If you're an artist, you're, you're certainly culturing that persona or series of masks that you bring to a performance art event. But it's, it's something, it's, hard, it's sometimes hard to define what it is that a performance artist has to give presence. Emily has that. <laughs> Also, and then that gives a bit of an idea of certainly one of the projects that will be taking place and one of the sort of spaces to take this theme with food. 
So maybe we could move from there to talking a bit about the call for expressions of interest that will mm -hmm. be placed forward, sort of how that will be structured and what you're hoping for from artists on that end. Yeah, well, I think we'll be talking about this on March 10th when we launch in a, in a wonderful way. I think there's going to be great food and there are drinks. And we just really want to, again, hear from all kinds of people about if they had an idea for a project, this is why it's called, you know, a expression of interest, you know, and, and that could be a simple draft of a paragraph. What is it you'd want to do? I think that's the starting point for us is to have contact with artists and other creatives who bring those uh, impulses, you know, to us on, on March 10th. And hopefully we get to encourage them to develop those ideas uh, a bit further and work with us and allow us to curate or or you know um, include review their work you know with all good intentions i think we just want to bring out more ideas the more the the more the better at our march 10th event just to hopefully make people feel as if they're they should be included in this whole process but then also positioning where you come into the process maybe earlier than if it was a call for submissions so that it's an idea of a project and then you can speak with them further, help develop it further. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll do as much as we can, but I, I think always we have to think to what is our capacity as an organization to do to do or include everyone. No festival does that. Of course. So it's, it's you know, com coming through the visual arts, of course, we want to be more inclusive than anyone else. But when it comes down to it, we, we do have to... Uh, because we'll have limited space as well along the, hopefully, along the riverfront on either side of the Besborough at this point is what we're hoping to do. There's only so much space, so we can only include so many artists in this process, although we'd like to encourage artists through our, our uh, call for expressions of interest, you know, to be in touch with us. It's, it's just great to know what people are doing and to give them encouragement. And certainly not everyone will be included, but for those who are, it's a more of a conversation and a process. Is that correct in terms of how the project's developing or? That's what we're hoping. I would even like to think if we can get organized enough, uh, I would like even like to think that some of the projects start maybe a week or 10 days before the actual Numi Blanche so that a public gets to interact with the artist on some level, maybe not even directly, but maybe through observation. So they, they get to know something about the creative process that goes into the making of a piece that is then suddenly on October 1st only shown for, you know, a durational six hour period and that's it. So I think sometimes it's, it's, it's really good for that same public to have contact with an artist on some level, you know, prior to this event. So it's not just such a flash in the pan. A little bit of a longer relationship with the community too then. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not usually done. Again, this idea of rethinking Nuit Blanche, maybe making a little more context-driven, that's not usually done for right. Nuit Blanche. You, I don't think I've heard of too many projects that will run more than that 6- or 12-hour period that most Nuit Blanche events last. So that, that's another reason to kind of step back. Like I think Halifax and their Nuit Blanche, they've stepped back a little bit and done things a little bit differently. There's one in Brooklyn as well. I think they also step back and think about their own community and how context would drive a different sort of Nuit Blanche there. Hmm. So I think this is uh, there's a bit of certainly a wave of people reconsidering something that is now over 20 years old. I think the first one started in Paris in, in 1993. 
hopefully we can open the doors a little bit and well and then do we, a little differently and as you mentioned you've already started talking with people about projects and even though this is situated within a local context the reach is hopefully global in terms of some of the people that we're oh, talking I think so. to yeah that's what we're hoping if our budget comes together we're Definitely uh, searching everywhere for donors and sponsors and partners, goods and services in kind. So, yeah, as, as long as we can stretch our budget, I think we can include those voices that we don't normally seen, see or hear in Saskatoon. And certainly some people who also come from just outside of the visual arts, you know, in another discipline. Uh, and we're sort of bringing them together here, hopefully, to make us rethink the, even the relationship between disciplines and cultures in perhaps a novel way that we'll, we'll see what the overtones are like whether they're moral or ethical or political it's, that's that's the great thing about working with Nuit Blanche events you're not quite sure what's going to happen the night of because you don't know what the weather's going to be like big determinant of fun times mm. or the way an audience is directed I think if it's raining and you're standing under an umbrella I think you're much more attuned to where you are. It kind of forces you to be uh, conscious of the artwork in front of you. So far, I've never been involved in a uh, Nuit Blanche event that has snow or rain or sleet. But we have to be prepared for that, too. So, that, so yeah, there are all kinds of surprises that come with Nuit Blanche, you know, rain or shine, so to speak. And I think that's interesting for us here. That's, that's what keeps me sort of second guessing. If I think I know what a piece is going to turn out like, rarely works that way, does it? Mm. So that's exciting. And then for the local community as well, there's also opportunities for artists to grow and develop and possibly mm. learn from some of those that are coming in. Sure. We, we, we're definitely trying to put uh, uh, younger artists or artists of all ages, really, into some sort of supportive relationship of an artist in residence for Nuit Blanche. So they might help with the production of a piece. They might help with its presentation to gather materials. But I think that sort of relationship, especially between an emerging artist of any age and the visiting artist, is like really important. That's how you learn about getting an artwork into being. That's how you learn about the art world generally, how it operates. So it's a very good opportunity for um, undergrad and grad students from U of S to be involved. And we're so encouraging them to come out on March 10th to begin with, and I'm hoping to get to the U of S uh, later in March and uh, give a bit of a talk, a uh, recruiting talk maybe, for Nuit Blanche, and really try to get some of the students to think about how important it is to be involved with one project or another, which I'll try to you know, show them. You know, Maybe I, I should know about two or three of our projects by that point, third week in March, that I can then reveal to the students and hopefully get them involved in one one or the other. And, and these will be, as you mentioned, fairly uh, expansive in their disciplines possibly or in, in their approaches, but giving students an opportunity to then become involved not only in the actual carrying out of the projects, but maybe some of the understanding of how artists would work within a context or build toward a night. Yeah, and I think that goes back to this sense of critique, bringing a sense of critique to the whole process so that We'll do what we can with the general public. We'll do what we can with an art public. But I think with on the level of education, I think those students, uh, those young artists who are eager to learn about how it all comes together, this is a great opportunity. Yeah. And for so many different 
types of students. I, I shouldn't just think about the art student. There are students in engineering that would find this very interesting, this whole process, liberal studies generally, of course, but not just, you know, from the art world, not just art students. Well, so, sure. yeah. No, there's opportunities for growth and for learning there for a number of different people. And, and then that goes back to sometimes to helping them. I understand that it's a learning process, but it's also possibly an opportunity for them to bring some of that local context or, or reflect some of that that local space to visiting artists too in terms of sure. response. And, the and if our theme is food, and that's providing a bit of uh, the driving context, if you come from an agricultural background and you're interested in the food chain, quality of food, regional sourcing of food, etc., there's so many people, of course, where we live in Saskatchewan that are affected by agriculture, that uh, I th I'm hoping a lot of those students might get involved, um, at least to find out where we're going, you know, when we, d you know, with our subjects ar around food. Hmm. So yeah, we're encouraging people from all uh, educational backgrounds and, and disciplines to, to be involved. Right. There are many ways to be involved. Well, and then, as you mentioned, more of this will be provided next Thursday at that Artist and Enthusiast Night. And mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to see one of the performing artists, see a visiting artist here in Saskatoon. Uh, I'm assuming to chat with Emily, Do, possibly. I was going to say, not just to see her, but actually to have a chat with her. And that is another quality to her presence, is this voice of hers that is quite unique and very, it's very alluring. She uses her voice in her performances use usually in, in quite a, um, a seductive yet startling way. Hmm. So it's, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, she will definitely want to meet people. And to some extent, I think meeting people here for her means she gets to learn about the context that will drive her new work. So that for, it builds. For the fall. It does. So, yeah, so it's very important for her to meet people here in, in, in the community. So again, from all disciplines, she right. comes from a theater, science, visual art background. So I think she'll be very open to people from other disciplines as well, just as that's what informs her. Yeah. Great. Well, and then it, like I mentioned, that's on March 10th. It's a free evening for people to come out. There will be food and drink and more discussion than too about the open call, how artists can make a presence and as you mentioned there will be artists coming out but there will also be artists presenting from the city and local artists that will be not just assisting in projects but presenting their own projects I, mm -hmm. so you know a nice mix of artists and mix of takes on this theme and on the locality yeah exactly no i think it'll be a great evening and again hopefully just the start of a number of evenings i think we could have uh for nuit blanche that will introduce different ideas around the Nuit Blanche concept, the concept that will kind of like realign us to a Saskatoon context here over the next four or five months hmm. leading up to October 1st. Well, great. Thank Very you, Wayne. I appreciate you coming on the show and providing some oh, of this you. context and information. And is there anything else you'd like to leave us with about Nuit Blanche or about the night? I just hope the weather holds. I think that's that's a huge part of Nuit Blanche. I can't think of something more critical. And I think you guys have been lucky the last two years, right? It's been lovely weather, yes. Okay, good. So that's the only thing I would add that's on my mind at this point. Besides the budget, of course. You have to always be wanting a bigger budget. And I will say that if there are potential sponsors out there or people who would like to become involved as volunteers the night of Nuit Blanche, 
they can contact the board at hello at nuitblanchesaskatoon.ca or go to the website www.nuitblanchesaskatoon.ca. That's N-U-I-T-B-L-A-N-C-H-E saskatoon.ca. We'd be pleased to, you know, speak to anyone to maybe suggest how they can become involved. There are different ways of being a sponsor and a donor. Very different ways from goods and services in kind to, of course, you know, money. But we'd like to we'd like to talk to people uh, about the project, uh, just to make sure that we can also indicate to them how how things will be come to sort of a critical mass. I hope October first with some very different visions about what art, performance art in particular, can look like in public places, very public places. Well, again, thanks, Wayne, for coming on the show. The Artist and Enthusiast Night is March 10th at the event space at AKA. AKA is located in Riversdale at 424 20th Street West. Thanks again, Wayne, for coming on. Thanks again. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. It is a busy next few weeks, and because of this, one of the shows that we'll be highlighting, we won't be able to air its episode until the night before its reception. So we just wanted to bring your attention to the fact that the College and Kenderdine Galleries currently have revisit interpreting the collection on this will be on for a little while but the reception will be friday march 18th and i just wanted to play a couple minutes of my interview with kent archer and leah taylor who are the curators at the kenderdine to give you a little bit of a taste in advance of that reception revisit interpreting the collection creates new dialogues between works by examining their underpinnings within historical and contemporary concepts addressing specific ideologies such as utopias automatism, figuration, the everyday, and suprematism. As I say, thanks for coming on, and maybe we could just start by sort of talking about where the idea for this exhibition came from and how it developed. I guess the impetus for the exhibition was around anniversaries for the galleries, the two respective galleries, Kenderdine and College Art Galleries. The Kenderdine Art Galleries are 25 years old this year, and the College Art Galleries are 10 years old. So that was the original concept as loose and vague as that is, that, that was a starting point. And as I was understanding and talking with you, it sort of developed from an idea of the anniversary of the galleries to talking about the collection itself and how a focus could be placed there. Yeah, I think in terms of looking at the galleries as having an anniversary versus the collection, we decided to use the collection to animate the spaces. But um, part of the revis- revisiting or interpreting was the fact that we also included in the galleries a reading room, which is a way to allow the audiences to disseminate the work in their own way, at their own speed. And we also included two films from the National Film Board, and archival materials are sprinkled throughout the exhibitions as well. So uh, we tried to give multiple access points to the shows and sort of rethinking the way people participate or engage with works in a museum context. So that's part of the revisiting. And then revisiting is also acknowledging the fact that we're looking at the collection in a new light. And when you're talking about that sort of different way that you can approach the exhibition, those films in the reading room really encourage a longer visit. And even just the sheer volume of works and the span of the space, I found that when I was there, you really could spend a good amount of time with this. Yeah, I think I think those multiple entry points do serve to allow for a lot of peripheral information. I mean, we got in the reading room and, and with the film itself, or films, I guess. There are information that's not as direct as viewing a work of art. So you, if you're interested in a piece or a movement or a, a genre, 
you can go into our reading room and, and delve a little deeper or, or look at some tangential sort of information. So it's, I think it's a, an expanded sort of possibility of looking at a, a conventional sort of art exhibition. Not that it's new, it's, it's been done for years and years, but uh, it's something that we've never done before, with, especially in the context of looking at the collection. Well, and then in terms of the curation of the show itself, as opposed to a show that was more sequential, this is really based around a certain number of concepts and themes. And mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting how it starts to think about how the works dialogue in that way. Yeah, I think it's uh, that's part of interpreting. I think we create new dialogues between the works that, you know, at times the works are seemingly disparate and especially in the area called figuration, there's a huge number of artists being exhibited and there's really unique relationships that came into play when we started to look at, okay, well, who's using the figure in the collection and how is that being used? Because the figure isn't just being used as, say, you know, a portrayal of a person. There's also animals. Um, there's sort of social political dialogue. There's sexual references. So there's many ways of looking at what artists are using in terms of um, the figure throughout history, which is what our collection represents as well. And it starts to move as well across time, as far as I could see, so that you're starting to separate across different movements or across different periods, but looking at how the figure, for example, was treated in those, but also by different groups, because the figuration exhibits one of those that also combines work that are done by more academic artists with Indigenous artists, both inside and outside the academies. I guess I would, I would wonder if you could talk a bit about sort of the, the way those works sort of talk to each other or how they're sort of left in that space. That's one of the things that, I mean, probably Lee and I probably spent more time working on that element than mm -hmm. any other. Not because it's there's greater representation within the collection, but all of those pieces are politicized differently, as you said, mm -hmm. through different time, you know, periods. But all, even in the even within a, a contemporary context, there are so many different politics involved in those. And again, as as Leah said, they're not straight readings of they're not re just straight representations or, or portraiture or, or they're not without an angle, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, or, or with some sort of statement that accompanies the work. They're allowed to exist within their political contexts. And yeah, and I think, I think they very much push and pull mm -hmm. against each other and, and, and those, that's how those conversations are made, I think. And, and as disparate as a lot of those pieces seem, they have this thread of figuration that Mm -hmm. kind of holds them together, but that's sort of uh, the only glue that they have. That they, mm -hmm. they are all talking uh, and dealing with, with really different, uh, diverse sort of uh, politics. That was a preview of my conversation with Kent Archer and Leah Taylor of the College and Kenderdine Art Galleries. That interview will be airing in two weeks. And again, a reminder that the Nuit Blanche Artist and Enthusiast Night will be taking place a week from tonight, next Thursday, March 10th, from 7 to 9 p.m. in AKA's event space. My name is Michael Peterson. You've been listening to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon. You can find us on social media, Unframed Radio, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, if you want to hear this episode again or any of our past interviews, just search Unframed Radio on iTunes. Thank you and have a good evening.